Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And today, I have one of the best conversations I think I've had on the show with one of the greatest swimmers in the world, Bruno Frattis. Bruno joins me in studio, and we just have a delightful conversation that both of us were surprised when we looked down and saw it was an hour and a half already. Now, I understand that I can't ask every question imaginable. If you do have questions for Bruno, you can go over to anyquestion.com and sign up there. Go to the Any Question app and ask Bruno any follow-up questions. You can also use his uh, link, anyquestion.com forward slash Bruno Frattis. That's anyquestion.com forward slash Bruno Frattis. And you can go on there. You can ask Bruno any follow-up questions you have. You can also listen to answers from so many wonderful Olympic and world and champion athletes and coaches and physiologists and there's health experts on there and doctors and all sorts of people from varying sports of triathlon, swimming, cycling, running. They're all there. So much content, so much great information. So go check it out. A little bit of housekeeping before we do go on. I just want to thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. It really does mean the world to me. If you are enjoying the show, you'd be doing me a massive favor if you could share it on your social posts. That, uh, that really is helpful. I hope you enjoy this one uh, with Bruno as much as I did. I just think this one was really, really special. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. All right. I am joined in my makeshift little studio by one of the fastest swimmers in the world. No one has gone under 22 seconds for 50 metres more than this man. He's approaching 100 sub-22s. Unbelievable, honestly. To put that in perspective, that has him almost in every final and championship race that you can imagine over the past 10 years. He's covered himself with Olympic, World Championship, Pan American, Pan Pacific medals. The guy is just absolutely incredible. But his story hasn't been all sunshine and roses. He's had his mental and physical setbacks, but he just keeps rebuilding and coming back stronger. And and he's just the epitome of perseverance. I, I just love his story so much. In Tokyo Olympics, his third Olympic Games, he became the oldest pool swimmer in history to win their first Olympic medal. His celebration was just absolutely magical. You've got to go check it out on YouTube. It gives me goosebumps even thinking about it. It's just an enormous pleasure and honor to have him sit with me today. So welcome and thank you for joining me on the Greg Bennett Show, Bruno Frattis. How are you, mate? Greg Bennett, thanks for having <laughs> me, man. Such a, such a beautiful intro. I think uh, I don't know what to say. Thank you. Uh, you're, <laughs> I, really, you're, I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're more than welcome, mate. The fact that you, you drove up from Coral Springs after training all morning and, and, and those that don't know, it's about an hour drive. I think you've had at least an hour drive to come up and join me in the studio here. So it's a, it's really special. Yeah, it's a good, it was a good drive, but it's, it's always worth it to stretch a little bit, to have a conversation with a fellow Olympian mm-hmm. like yourself. And we have so many things in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fourth place in the games, <laughs> yeah, for yes. I have a fourth place, but I don't have the third to back it up. <laughs> yeah, but I, I love I love this exchange of uh, experiences and ideas with uh, with people who really know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when you hear an introduction like I just did, do you think that does describe you the best? Actually, let me rephrase this: How would you introduce yourself? 
Hi, I'm Bruno. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm just Bruno, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm just Bruno. Swimming is just something I do. It's what I love. Mm. I'm not even sure it makes me comfortable to, just to introduce me like, hey, hi, I'm an Olympic medalist. It, it was just a, such a small little part of my story of who I am. I'm myself. I'm my own person. I'm a son, a uh, husband. I'm not a father, but I have two dogs I love dearly at home. The swimmer, it's it's a small little part of of the whole. I love I love it. that. I love that because sometimes I I do do these big introductions and I kind of enjoy them because I think it is worth celebrating and recognizing people that are doing remarkable things that do inspire us. And I I would say there's something more about you and the reason I really wanted you on the show is this this idea of never giving up. It's easy to say. It's easy to say. People don't get it. And this is where the inspiration comes from. This idea to just keep persevering, to keep knocking on the door. And that to me is probably what I see in you more than anything. This, And that's why I, I really did enjoy preparing this show where watching you and Michelle at the Tokyo Olympics, getting to celebrate that because she was your she was your coach. No one else had family there, but she was your coach. Oh, yeah, she coached me through the entire five years mm-hmm. of the cycle. Yeah, she started back in two thousand in the end of two thousand sixteen, mm. where she she never coached swimming before. She was a swimmer. She's an Olympian. She's been to the she was at the two thousand eight Beijing Olympic Games, but she never coached swimming. Mm. And we went going through a little bit of a struggle with some changes after the Rio games. And she just took a step forward and say, okay, you know what? I'll do it. And at that time, I just look at her and say, what are you talking about? What are you going to do? <laughs> so, yeah, I'll coach you. And I was like, are you sure? Yeah. Because of course she has tremendous potential and she knows what she's talking about because she's an Olympian herself. But I wasn't expecting for that. And it was the most beautiful surprise, the better, the best surprise I could have ever had. And she did such an amazing job because I usually say that it's so easy to put someone in shape, like the physical, the actual physical part mm. of uh, coaching. It's, it's not, very, I mean, it's not rocket science, mm. but what coaching really is about is to mentally and emotionally coach someone to the top. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the tricky part. Mm-hmm. And with her being my wife, I think she had all the, all the right tools to, to coach me to success. And that's exactly what happened. I can't help but feel somewhat, uh, we have similar kind of stories in the sense that I, uh, met my wife, Laura in 2000 I had some success in sport. I was reasonable. You know, I was that kind of guy that had won a few races, but really was that not quite there athlete. And she became my mental and emotional support more than anything. And she taught me to manage my ego, not to get rid of it, just to manage ego and manage expectations. You know, I put enormous expectations on myself. Expectations is the mother of all frustration. Is it? This one? Yes, <laughs> yes. And I think us guys have very similar personalities, right? I think we're both fairly passionate, yes, passionate guys. Yes. And to have these strong women in our corner that, that know how to just get us on that even keel. Yeah, sometimes sometimes we're just training and we're so stuck in our own obsession because mm-hmm. I think that's what it comes down to. You're just obsessive about yeah. performance. Yeah. 
you just forget about talent, you forget about all the rest of all the other things about your life, and you're just obsessed about competing, about racing, about performing, and eventually about winning. And also as guys, we put a lot of aggression mm -hmm. into it. And we do need a partner who who can see the whole picture and who can who can interpret what mm. we're doing outside our own heads, mm -hmm. you know, because inside here, it's all just fire and uh, aggression <laughs> and I mean, just harder, harder, harder. And we, I mean, it's good, it's good to have someone who can just hug us and calm us down and say what's really happening in a, in a loving and understanding manner. That's really well said. It's like that, uh, the perspective we all need yes. sometimes, you know, and I was really fortunate because even with Laura, we were both racing at, at the same time and, uh, you know, trying to get ready for Olympics or world championships, always doing it at the same time. But she would somehow she was able to manage her career and mine <laughs> at the same time. And and even when I look at the scoreboard, which us, us guys, we do tend to look at the scoreboard. She was great at kind of just putting it. Uh, I, I, I My scoreboard tremendously improved once I started working yeah, with Laura. Let's be honest here. We're guys, right? We, we never really grow up. So we <laughs> yeah. do we do need them. <laughs> yeah, we do need them. And we're incredibly thankful. So thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Laura. We're giving you guys yeah, a big sell you. right now because, and I think there's still plenty more for you um, going forward here. You know, I want to talk about that a little bit more in the show. But this morning, mate, you, you've already worked out. What did you do this morning? I did. I had a, well, Brett, Brett Hawk, my, my coach. Mm-hmm. He went a little, he felt a little sorry for me this morning. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, we didn't have any swim workout this morning. So I hit a big uh, weight session mm -hmm. and a lot of weightlifting, squats, free weights, kettlebells, uh, pretty heavy stuff. And then I just went home, had lunch and came here. Right. Well, I appreciate you because I know driving a car after doing heavy weights and squats and everything else is... is it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It, it clears your mind a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'm the kind of guy that just put some loud music in yeah. a car and sing along. I was listening to Typo Negative okay. on the way here. And uh, yeah, it's kind of... Should I know that? I'm sorry uh, if I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I just have a really dark taste of music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was just... It's one of my favorite bands. So I just singing along all the way here and you went quick. I, I, you know, it's like I, I look at you and I look at some of these sprinters, and you know, you guys are all on any question now. A lot of you guys, and you have this this personality and this warrior type personality, this gladiator type energy that I can just—it's almost like the fifty meter freestyle sprint. It's such a powerful event. Do you guys see yourselves as that? You guys, the, I look at you as the warriors of the pool, you know, the gladiators of the pool. Does it feel like that? It is. It is a very powerful event. And I think most than anything is a real, really mental. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's psychological. You can yeah. see who's going to perform and who's not going to perform in the call room, in that space right where we concentrate right before the yeah, race. Yeah you can clearly see who's going to be successful and who's going to mess the race up. Wow. Let, let's move, let's shift gear a little bit or use that. In doing homework for this, I, I heard you talking about your attitude going into Tokyo compared to Rio and, and compared to London. And I, I think I heard you say, you know, I had this attitude of being grateful. And I think a lot of people learned gratefulness after COVID year and being locked down and everything we all said and that you were actually having fun in the call room. See, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it makes all the difference to talk to someone who 
who is also an Olympian yeah. know what he's talking about, you know? It's a little bit of that aggression I told you a few minutes bef- uh, ago. On my first two Olympic Games, I was putting a lot of power and raw aggression into my races and into my will. Mm. You know, uh, it was something guided by a mentality that which told me that whoever wants the most is going to get the medal. Mm-hmm. And it's not really like that. Mm. You know, it's uh, you cannot force such beautiful, uh, such beautiful event. Mm. Mm. You know, it's the pinnacle of sport all the best in history of a whole generation or they're competing. You cannot just enforce your will mm. like that. So again, that's when Michelle comes to play. And it was not only the th- swim coaching, but also the mental coaching that happened mm. that we were going through this process of being thankful about what, about everything. Mm-hmm. I was thankful. I was thankful to be in my third Olympic game. Of course, a lot of hard work. It wasn't luck. Mm-hmm. It definitely wasn't <laughs> luck. But I was just thankful to be there in my third Olympic games, competitive. I mean, not only just be there, but fighting for something. Mm-hmm. And in my third final, with the woman I loved, with the woman I love mm-hmm. in my corner. Mm. There's nothing wrong here. Mm. You know, it's just beautiful. It's perfect. It's a situation that is setting me up for success. So instead of looking for trouble, looking for problems and be stressed out and anxious, of course, I was feeling a little anxiety, but instead of being anxious and looking for things to complain about, I was just thankful. Just, Mm. you know what? I'm going to go out there and have the best time of my life. Mm. Not the best time, like, uh, objectively, but like the best moment Mm -hmm. of my life here. And that's why I think I made sure to give this woman a kiss after a step down the podium. Right? Because it was I was beautiful. just like, uh, you know what? I, I don't care about the protocols. Uh, I don't care about anything. I'm going to give my wife a big kiss, you know, because we made it. Uh, we did this together. And uh, I just wanted to show appreciation. I wanted to express myself freely. That's what happened in the race. I was expressing myself freely. Mm. You know, I didn't have any expectations towards myself. I was just like, you know what? I'm a three-time Olympian, man. I'm I'm here. I'm competing. I'll just allow myself to be happy. I'll mm. allow myself to be successful. I'm not going to be in my own way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll mm-hmm. take my ego, my expectations, my anxiety out of my own way. And I'm going to just walk behind this block and step on the block and race as free as I can. And that's when things happen. I love that. I, the way you just described all of that gave me goosebumps. It's it's this uh, ability to almost hit this state of flow. And I think you've given a bit of a guidebook on how you can reach that through certain word affirmations of being thankful, being grateful by changing that kind of, okay, I'm still anxious, but let's maybe not call it a negative stress. Let's call it excitement. Let's call it like it's like this having this positive reinforcement and suddenly things become fun and enjoyable and you're a kid again, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm 32 years of age. I started training when I was 15. If it wasn't fun, yeah. I wouldn't be doing that <laughs> so much. It's uh, listen to yourself talking. You're talking about flow. Mm. It flows. Mm. It's not forced. Mm-hmm. You cannot force flow. You cannot deliberately get into flow. It's not, it, it's not a switch, mm-hmm. an on and off switch, you know? So you just have to allow it to flow. Mm-hmm. It's just as simple. I mean, we're talking about an event. 
that's like I said is 21 seconds something and on a real bad day you're 22.0 something you know? like, yeah. I mean we're talking of such fractions of a second and I want to get more into this later but I'm, it's on top of mind right now can you sense what time you're swimming within 100 percent yes yeah. So you I could can, be you could be twenty five meters in the pool and go. I know I'm going to swim a twenty one nine right now. Or I, this is a yeah. Of course, I cannot sense the hundredths yeah. of a second, but to the tenths, yes. That's that's beyond me. That's so fascinating. Because we've we've been doing that so many times, <laughs> yeah, over, yeah, and over, yeah, and yeah. over and over and over and over again. Uh, you mentioned on the introduction, uh, official races yeah. in twenty one seconds. Yeah. They're over ninety. That's what you've done over 90. Can you imagine the unofficial races, the times I swam 21 seconds in practice? And I mean, at occasions I did it three, four, five times in a day. Wow. So I easily swam more than 321s in my life. So it's like you you just get a feel for it. Have you ever had it in practice where you go, that was maybe a world record swim? No, no, never that. No, no because I've, I've never went a PB in practice. You haven't, especially because at pre unless you you mount the whole setup with the scoreboards and mm, the touchpads, mm, mm. you cannot get an exact official no, no, time of in practice. It's all hand timed, yeah, and yeah. that's really subjective. Yeah. But you don't have that adrenaline in mm. practice. So I mean, the adrenaline is what Still. fuels you to to do great things. Still, to be swing anything near 22 and under 20 just in practice is phenomenal and I, and I think that's what really excites me about having you here and be able to talk to you because I'm obviously a huge fan but just that ability to to stay consistent for so long in such a powerful sport where tenths of a second hundreds of a second it, it, it for me oh, that, we're, lo uh, we're looking forward to the 22nd race now listen Brehawk are you listening? Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> We're listening. We'll send that out to him. I mean, that's that's what I want to talk about. I mean, why you brought it up? I mean, you guys are swimming faster now than they were in those speed suits, you know, ten to fifteen years ago. Yes. Um, your countryman Caesar Cielo still has the world record in yes. what is that? Twenty point twenty point ninety one. Twenty point ninety one. What do you think it's going to take to to do that? Is it is it doable? Do you see it being? Oh yeah, I I thought you you asked what he was gonna take, what he's gonna take, and I was like, oh thank God he didn't ask if it was doable. Then you ask if it was doable. <laughs> <laughs> if I Greg, if I didn't think it was doable, I'll just rather go back home and retirement and do something else. Mm -hmm. I'll just do whatever. Yeah. Because then it's not worth. Okay, to then do. let me recorrect it. What parts of the race? If we were to break it down, it, it depends. It depends on the athlete. It depends on the athlete because different. When you get to that level, it's not that uniform anymore. You have different athletes with different bodies figuring out the race and trying to to make their unique bodies mm -hmm. swim as fast as they can and cross the pool as fast as it can. So my race would look a certain way, and other swimmers' races mm -hmm. would look different. So for me. I feel like I need to improve the first half of the race and improve the last part of the race, the last <laughs> half of the race. But it's, it's basically like, I need to improve the entire race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think, I don't think I need to do anything different. If I start thinking that I do, I need to do something completely different from what I've been doing in the last years, I'll, I'll set myself up mm -hmm. because I've been swimming a certain type of way for over 10 years now. And I just need to keep doing that, but better. Mm -hmm. Doing the same thing, but faster. So using my own qualities 
and trying to minimize my mistakes, trying to minimize my downsides of the race, but using my strengths mm -hmm. to my favor. Mm -hmm. I'm all about double downing on strengths. That's my my whole thing. I'm, I'm, I think so and too. And mitigating weaknesses, like you need to outsource or figure out how to mitigate weaknesses. But I think we all all have to play to our strengths identify them identifying them and then play to them i think is really critical i mean you're not you're not the biggest guy in the 50 meter sprinting i mean you've come in here and you're still six foot one and your shoulders are still <laughs> wide as all hell but it's like when i see you in photos next to some of the other guys on the pool day like uh manadu and uh, and I mean, that's exactly big, yeah big, and big man. that's exactly what i'm talking about mm. i'm not the biggest guy in the field but i am the lightest guy in the field and when you're talking about accelerating mm. actually let me rephrase let me correct that when you're in the water it's physically impossible for you to accelerate so you just have to maintain speed mm -hmm. you know you have to avoid resistance from water in order for you maintain speed mm -hmm. and if you are let's say 40 pounds lighter than the guy next to you, guess who have the advantage? They, they got to push a lot more water in front They're of They're going to have right? to push a lot more water. They're going to spend a lot more oxygen yeah. trying to do what you're doing with a, a I'll call it a, a carbon fiber carcass. Oh, I like know? that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, so it's just using your strength yeah. to, to your advantage. Yeah. And even when you think about jumping off the blocks, like diving off the blocks, and if you think about the greatest long jumpers in the world or high jumpers in the world, the, the guys that are literally, that's all they do. Yeah, they I jump. Know. They're not big, huge men, are they? Yeah. You know, well, or, or then, then, a quick, then a quick fun fact. When you're talking swimming, the heavier body carries more momentum when you after <laughs> breaking after breaking the surface okay, of so the water. One, one is going to be flying through the air further, but the other one's going to break through the water yeah. and go faster. That's why my start ah. in swimming, you can underwater kick until the 15 meters yes. mark. Yep, yep. That's why I don't. Huh? I just pop right up and start swimming. Is that right? Yeah, that makes sense. Because the heavier guys, they're going to carry that momentum from the block and they're going to break this resistance from the water with all that weight. Mm. I cannot do that. Mm. If I do that, I'm behind. Oh, that's fascinating. So I just pop right up and sprint. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, what, what about then Caleb Dressel? He's not much bigger than you. He, he, oh, he's, he's a little bigger and is he? he's definitely heavier. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. He's so, definitely heavier. Because he, he's doing something special underwater. I, I he is. This, he yeah. is. And he's using to his quality to, to his advantage. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's a great underwater kicker. Actually, Caleb, I think Caleb is a great athlete. Period. Yeah. If he was playing ball, he's one of those guys. He would be yeah. MVP. Hate those guys. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. No, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It's just <laughs> in the beginning of my career, I had Caesar Cielo, world record holder. Yeah. Then a few years later, Flo Hamanadu uh -huh. popped up. He showed up. And if you ask me, one of the best sprinters who ever lived. Yeah. And now recently, I have Caleb Dressel. <laughs> and plus, I went set at Worlds. I went second place to Cali two times. So let's say, let's that do that imagination play. If it wasn't for Caleb, I would have been a two-time world champion. And that would have been boring. Hmm. That would have been boring. I wouldn't be swimming right now if that would have happened in the past. So having Caesar, having Florent, having Caleb, it's what really keeps me going and motivated and pushing through and trying to do groundbreaking stuff like getting my first medal at 32 years of age and trying to swim 121s and now 
striving for a world record, even though the whole world doesn't even consider me to for such feat. You think the whole world doesn't consider you for such a feat? I think I'm not the obvious choice. I think, uh, yeah, I th I'm not. I'm definitely not the obvious choice. That's often where people get blindsided. Then later on, and you're like, "Hang on, I was right here." But you, you guys that's when you sit on the lane line and you're flexing, you're boom in your faces. You know, that's I love that. I love yeah, that. it's like yes, take that, everybody. Well, mate, let, let's let's change gear a little bit. I want to rewind the clock. I want to yeah. rewind the clock and. Let's go back to your childhood a little bit. When when did you sort of f fall in love with swimming? What was your childhood like? And, and were you a, were you an athlete across ball sports? Two, 2000 it? games. The 2000 games. Sydney. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. I was in a swim meet. I was a young swimmer and I was in the swim meet and um, the Olympics were on. And on that occasion, our coach let us stay late up late mm -hmm. to watch the relay, the four by one freestyle mm. where Brazil came from behind and earned the bronze medal. Mm -hmm. Such an amazing, beautiful race. I think on the last leg, they were maybe fifth or sixth. And this, um, this I'll call him this freshman, this team freshman, he just jumped in the water, he swam his brains out, and he got the bronze medal. That's awesome. And I just look at it, I got goosebumps just by thinking of it. And I just look at it, I was, I think, 11. Mm. And I was like, that's so awesome. Mm -hmm. And I have the opportunity of doing this that they're doing tomorrow. I'm at a swim meet. Uh, so the next day I swam like I was visualizing myself on that same situation, on that same like episode of, of the history of sport, you know. And that's when I started to, I think that's when the idea of being a swimmer was really imprinted mm -hmm. in my subconscious. How did the race go? When you, that next day when you were 11. Oh, I have no idea. I, mean, I was 11. <laughs> I just wanted, maybe, maybe I just, I, I just wanted to have fun racing, go back home and eat a huge bowl of cereal. That, that was in watching cartoons. I was just 11. Sorry, you painted such a good picture. I was still yeah, going down that no, trail. No, I have no idea. I just wanted to go back home and watch some cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so then you, you, you really took to swimming, you know, you had that identity that, that, that yes, was yes, yes. And then when I was 15, I had the first coach who really tried me mm -hmm. because he was already a national team coach, but he was a national team coach for the open water. Mm. And he was coaching his son that by that time he was the national champion of the mile. I didn't know how to distinguish a mile coach from a sprint coach. I mean, I was 15. My parents didn't know either. I mean, we only knew that. Well, I think uh, that's even fairly modern. I feel like all swimmers were over swimming distance for Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, forever. And, and I do believe you need to build a base. You need to yeah, go yeah, yeah. through some struggles. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Other way, you just got like today's kids, yeah. soft. Yeah. And uh, I, was, I started to swim with this coach and he really tried me and he really started to mentor me and coach me in and outside of the pool. I did my first hundred hundreds under his coaching and some of the craziest sets I did under his coaching. I remember this episode that it was like 9 p.m. and my dad was pissed off outside the pool just waiting for the workout to be over and it was raining. And I was just doing, I think at that time I was doing like 80 hundreds kicking, which is like unimaginable. Wow. It's, it's just, that's a long time. I mean, let's, yeah, yeah. If we're being honest, it's just stupid to do that. It's just, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it makes a good story now. Yeah, yeah, it makes a good story now for a podcast. But, and I was like crying underneath my goggles. And, but that coach 
telling me to suck it up and keep swimming, keep kicking, it's what built a lot of my persistence and a lot of my character mm. to be the athlete I am today. Mm. By the end of the year, I went, I, I earned my first um, juniors national championship medal. Mm-hmm. And I made my first national juniors national team and so on. So I was going to say it, when well, I was 15 was when I really, really started becoming the athlete I am today. So it was when you were 15, you kind of felt like, yeah, actually, I'm pretty good at this. Like, yeah. The next year, everybody was doing college applications and I was, and I was emailing coaches in Brazil, telling them I wanted to go to the Olympics. And, and so how did that work out for you? Were you able to find a coach and did you get Yeah, to so I was able to find Olympics? a coach. Swimming in Brazil, he works in clubs, private clubs. Right. And uh, this coach of uh, the biggest private club in Brazil, he was coaching Cesar Cielo. I mean, on and off. Yeah. He was, he was actually the club coach of Cesar. He replied me and said, yeah, you can come. And there's a space for you here in the lane. And then I told my parents, I was, uh, I was just a senior in high school at that time and I had a tough conversation with my parents right so hey so yeah I'm not gonna be a lawyer doctor whatever I just I want to swim mm-hmm. and my, my dad was like excuse me what <laughs> and uh, that's when we had the whole conversation say okay at least finish high school and do whatever you want to do I mean you're a man already yeah, yeah I was 17 at that time actually 16 and uh, yeah, I finished high school. I applied for universities, got accepted, but I just didn't go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we bought a one-way ticket to Sao Paulo. It was pretty far from where my parents lived. And I went to live with my uncle. And I was just riding two buses to practice <laughs> on one way and two buses back. And I started there. I love that. Yeah. It's like you, I love that you knew what you wanted at such a young age. I think that's a, I, I feel like a lot of kids, especially in those teenage years where we're all trying to figure out, it's a tough time of life, you know, um, and I want to talk to you about some of that in a moment. But to be able to identify what you were passionate about and pull the trigger at a pretty early age of, I want to go do this. You know, I, I think there's a lot of, we, we see a lot of it in society now where people, they don't have purpose. They don't have purpose and they are lost. So it's they, nice that you got that at a younger they do. age. They do. You know why that it seems so, in my opinion, you know why that seems so impressive to us today as adults? Because we have mad anxiety and we have mad worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. And we have mad a lot of things we had no idea about. Uh, oh, we have mad financial anxiety <laughs> that that we had no idea about that when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. So it was so easy back in the time just to take a decision and go and follow. I mean, it sounds corny, but just follow your heart. When you're a teenager, one of the gifts I got was having incredible privilege by the sense that I, my parents would always allow me to come home. And that yes. to me, when we talk privilege... I always think it starts with the fact that I was allowed to go explore any and all opportunity in the world. And if I fell in a heap, there'd always be a bed for me at home. And that's not to say they maybe wouldn't want me to pay some rent and do, you know, help out or whatever it is, but I knew I was allowed absolutely, to go. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that reminds me of the many times I called back home crying on my first couple of years. I was like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, come back home. Your room is here. 
<laughs> we haven't we haven't made your room into an office yet, <laughs> yes. so your room is here. <laughs> and my parent, my dad was the one who said, "Well, you can you can come back home, but is that what you really want?" Mm. Mm. I mean, dig that dig deep inside yourself mm. and and find that that answer. And in the end of the day, I was like, "No, you're right." Yeah, you had that support from family. You know, they I did, and that's like- that's the real privilege, man. Yeah. People, when people talk privilege, they often mention money Mm. but i think the real privilege one can have is having a home Mm -hmm. having a father and a mother or two fathers or two mothers or just someone who really cares Mm -hmm. about you and really like loves you without expecting anything back and really wants to see you succeed just for the sake of it Mm -hmm. And that's the real privilege, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think uh, we're both very privileged in that sense. And I, of course, and of course, health. Of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Health is a big one. We can go into that yeah, when in you moment, but. when you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes, you're already winning. Yeah, you're already win- exactly. Yeah. I get to, I get to start a new day, and I think that's where I, I even going through all this uh, this last couple of years with you know, COVID and lockdowns, and I, I've kind of always looked at every day as like, wow, a bonus, you know, and, and that I always feel like we should all be feeling like, I don't know how to put this in a way, which, but any day could be our last day. And, and if anything, this COVID thing has almost given everybody a bit of a slap in the face to say, yeah, wake up, be grateful. And and you're lucky to have it. I want to, I want to just ask one more thing. I was listening to some of your answers on any question, which you've been answering up a storm. And it's oh, been- such a fun app, man. If I, I mean, if you let me, I'll spend the whole day there. Oh yeah. It's just, you know what? It's like what I've realized in building this app along with Ed Baker and having some of the world's greatest athletes and coaches come on and be just tremendously authentic. And this one that I want to bring up, vulnerable. Because yes. you mentioned in one of them, one of the young, somebody young, I, I, can't, I won't mention their name, asked, you know, about bullying. bullying. And your reply was just so authentic, vulnerable, and just inspiring to that young guy. I can imagine him reading it now. And you really described it as the bullier, the person bullying you has their own insecurities and they've got their own problems that they're dealing with and that's why they're taking out on you. But it was it was so well said. I just wanted to mention that one because, and I think you even talk about your parents being supportive when you yeah. you were even bullied a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, and I promise it sounds so much smarter in Portuguese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that answer was in English. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it was fantastic. But I just, well, while we were talking about your parents. Yeah, you, I, had, I, had a little, I had a little bullying episode when I was a kid. I mean, I was the kid carrying a mash bag inside the classroom and always smelling like chlorine and, <laughs> and the wet hair, right? So I got, I got beat up a couple of times, but that was before I grew bigger than the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then not so much. Yeah. By junior year, I was already like, Twice as wide yeah. as everybody else. Yeah, doing all that swimming and weightlifting, <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden so, they're like, "Oh, yeah, we, we're yeah, not going to pick yeah, on Bruno." Maybe let's not pick on on a on the swim guy. <laughs> yeah, I went through I went through a lot a, a few episodes. I think we all have our struggles, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't. I had a problem with being vulnerable a while back. I thought that would make me less of a man, less of a competitor. Mm-hmm. But then you just mature. You grow, yeah, right, yeah. right? And as I said, not only as a swimmer, but you grow as a man, you grow as a person. Yeah. 
And now I make sure to, especially that was in that question was a, a young guy, right? Mm -hmm. A young man asking me about it. So I make sure I show them vulnerability so they know it's okay to be vulnerable mm -hmm. and it's okay to go through struggle and it's okay not to have actually anything figured out. Mm -hmm. So it's just trying to empathize Mm -hmm. a little bit with uh, with people around you because man if if you get to a if you get to a position where people look up to you that's almost like your obligation mm -hmm. to be reachable mm -hmm. you know and to help and to like extend your hand and help people mm. and uh, pull them up if you just do it for the sake of having like likes and followers of Instagram or maybe a big sponsor or maybe filling your pockets of money or whatever, I mean, it's just, what are you really doing? Mm. That's not, I truly believe in legacy and the legacy I want to, I want to leave people. It goes a little bit through, if I did it, everyone can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think I'm special. I'm just the guy who, I mean. That's one thing my dad told me. My dad taught me two really uh, valuable lessons when I was a kid. Number one, those who want it, find a way. Mm -hmm. Those who don't really want it, find an excuse. Therefore, there's a big difference between want something and wish you could have it. Mm -hmm. You know? And number two, crossing the pole faster than everybody else doesn't make you special. Mm -hmm. So make sure to humble yourself and help others. And that's something I, I carry with me a lot. Well, that was so well said, all of that. And and I think what you've done and shown on any question and on these podcasts and any interviews that I've seen of you is um, when, when you see that sort of young man reaching out, it's almost like saying, you're not alone. I'm not no. special. I'm here for you. And others are here for you too. And we're all going yes. through our own we're our own troubles and we're all trying to figure out how to get through, you know, yeah, we're all let's, human. let's do it together. Yeah, let's grow yeah. together. Of course, if you step on a block on the lane beside me, I'm going to make sure I kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, of course. But yeah. That's the strongest mateship. I'll make sure, I'll make no. sure I make you question your entire existence. Yeah. If you try to race me in a 53, but I'm here for you, man. I'm here. I mean, let's, let's get better together. Let's but, be but better on, together. But on that, on that kind of racing mentality, I don't know about you, but my strongest bonds with all my mates that are raised are the ones that tested me more than anything, right? The ones that tried to destroy me and I tried to destroy them, I'm now the closest with, right? We went to hell and back together. We went to war together. And it's oh, kind of yeah. like, you know. Is there, is there <laughs> any way to show more respect to yeah. a competitor of yours than giving 100%? Yeah, yeah. I cannot imagine, I will actually get pissed if someone just save up in a race against me. Yeah. It's the same time someone, sometimes coaches, they, they, quote unquote, life for the best mm. when it comes to training feedback and timing, sprints of practice. Yeah. I, I just hate it. Why, why are you doing this? Be honest. Yeah. You know, just give your best. I don't need I'm, to I'm just feel you. good for no, for exactly. vanity. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, the, I mean, biggest display of respect you can have for a competitor is just kick his ass. A quick mini break to just remind you to go check out any question. You can either go to anyquestion.com and download the app from there or you can download it straight from your iOS or Android phone or you can use Bruno's link and that is anyquestion.com forward slash Bruno Fratus. Anyquestion.com forward slash Bruno Fratus. 
if you look back at your career right now, you know, you're 32, been to three Olympics and multiple, multiple world championships and everything else. Is there one sort of fondest memory that stands out? Oh, wow. Jeez. Kissing my wife after <laughs> Olympic medal. That's one. It, it's hard for me to think because I don't, I'm still on the goal. You yeah, know, yeah, I'm still, still I'm still going. Mm. I don't really display my medals around the house, you mm. know, in a, in a frame. My, oh, my dad, my dad has like his walls covered in diplomas, titles, articles, medals. All of and, yours? Uh, or have you got siblings? No, all, all of my, all of mine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my, my, my sister, she started in swimming and then she migrated to dance. Yeah. And now she's a dancer, like amateur dancer. And uh, she, she does dancing presentations like ballet, you know, Very but cool. she's a journalist. Yeah. And I don't display medals. I don't like to stop and think too much about what happens about situations like that because I'm still going. I still, there's so much more. I think if I stop and start cherishing and start admiring what I do and at some sort of recognizing that all I've done, it's so special. I think I end up like getting getting it'll, too comfortable. It almost takes you away know? the drive. Yeah. Oh, my my Olympic medal, my World Championships medal, my Pan Am's medal—they're yeah. all deep in a drawer. Yeah. I don't even look at them. I mean, sometimes I take off and I look. I mean, twice a year. They're pieces that you've collected along the way of your journey, but your journey is still far from over. Yeah, but there there are episodes like, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind it's. Uh, kissing Michelle after the medal, that was the most beautiful, oh, to this day, man, the most beautiful day of my life yet. But every time a young swimmer or someone who wishes to be an Olympian comes to me and asks for something, a picture to sign their cap, or when I give one of my caps away, you know, or someone just send, reaches out and send me a DM telling me that, hey, I was applying for medical school and I was always quitting, but then I watch you and I follow your story and like, thanks for not making me quit, for not letting me mm-hmm. quit. And uh, things like that are, are very special and small di- displays of, of recognition mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. those who really matter. Mm-hmm like regular people who are hustling daily. That's the small little special moments I like to, I like to be thankful for. Yeah. I love, I love that you come from a place of gratitude like that. I feel like you're doing, you're doing sport for all the right reasons, you know? And I think that that's really commendable. I, I guess the next question I have to ask is then, do you have a, a least, a least fond memory? And, And I guess, what did you learn from that? memory in the past that maybe sticks out that you didn't enjoy that was something in your career that you're like oh, I didn't particularly like but I did learn this or this or this I'm not sure then if I said that I would be saying that I don't really like the person I am today because all these episodes made me who I am today mm-hmm. and I wouldn't change a thing I like who I am today I, I, I love myself I respect myself I'm, I think I'm worthy of all the success and everything I, I, I won for my life all my goals in and outside the water and that's just part of growing. That's just part of maturing as a person and as an athlete. That's just, when you look back, of course, there are episodes that you wish you have done different, but mm. you didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. I do believe in, in people do everything out of pure goodwill, you know? Of course, there's evil people out there, but let's mm. not focus on them. Mm. And I do believe that 
people do things out of goodwill and yeah. all the choices, all the decisions I made in the past, I was trying to make the best decision at for the time. at the time. Yeah. So I yeah. mean, nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But so, sometimes it's just like, oh man, if I, if I were the, the person I am today, 10 years ago, that would have been so much fun. I know. <laughs> I, isn't it funny when you look back with everything that you learn as an athlete and then you go, oh, if only I, I, I kind of look back at 2000 Olympic games in, in my world and I was ranked number two in the world. I'd won on the Sydney test event the year before. It was a, it was a hometown sort of event that I thought I'd do really well. Long story short, got left off the Olympic Games team and it was like a court case. It was all an awful thing. It was the only time I got on the front page of the, the newspapers in Australia, not the back page, which is usually left for sport. And then I moved to Canada during that 2000 summer went because a friend of mine, Simon Whitfield, said, Greg, why don't you come over and help me get ready for the Olympic Games? And so I said, all right. I was pretty despondent with the whole thing. While I was in Canada, I met my wife, Laura, my mate Simon Whitfield went off to win the gold medal, which was still a career highlight for me because it was a real brotherhood journey that we had together and it was a very special moment. And I kind of go, so my worst experience I had in my career was also my very best experience. You know, and it's like you said, I wouldn't be the man I am today without having that time in sport. You know, that I, I kind of, when people ask me that same kind of question, what's your least favourite me- yeah. fond memory? I'm like, well but it makes up who I am today. And quite often that negative did turn into a massive positive going forward. And you can do the opposite exercise. You can, if I think like that today, like looking back and wishing I was the the person I am today in that, (laughs) it's, it's hard to even put this phrase together because what, what are the situations, the, the current situations you're dealing with today that in 10, 20 years from now, you're going to wish you knew better. Exactly. You know, yeah. just do the opposite. And I, and I try, and I try to, and I try to do this today. Every time I have something I'm struggling with or something that requires like for me to be, bring the best of my skills, mm-hmm. I just try to think, say, Hey, what, what 50 year old Bruno would do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. I like that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I try to do my best again. I, I think that's a great way to look at it. And now that I am 50, if I look back to what I was when I was 32, honestly, then, I, I wouldn't change From it. now on, I'm just going to call you that. <laughs> there you go. I'll be your 50-year-old Bruno. I don't know if I'm wise enough for that, but it is it is a fascinating way to look at it. I want to I want to talk about some of your mental strategies that you do um, and, and if, well, if you do them and, and what kind of practices you have. So things like visualizing. Are you somebody that practices visualizing? Does it just come naturally? I visualize so much. Sometimes I just feels like I'm daydreaming. Yeah. Honestly, I, I'm the, you know, those type of person that they just think they're the main character in their own action movie. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's quite like me. I do have my own soundtrack. I leave under music, uh-huh. you know, listening music every time, every day and through an entire day and I imagine it as, as the soundtrack of my life and being the the main role in my own movie. And uh, I do a lot of visualization and I do a lot of, um, a lot of um, try to anticipate, you know, things that are gonna happen and not not in a, in a way I can control it, but just mm-hmm. so I'm ready. So, so can you give me an example of what, uh, visualizing looks for you. I guess what I'm trying to say is 
if I was to describe some of the way I, because I was very colourful in my own mind as well, and yeah. it was it was quite visual, and I, and I could do workouts and, and 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 create the energy inside me, and and people that have listened to this show would know that I'm a huge advocate for you know what you think has a direct impact on your physiology, yeah. that, that that what you think affects your hormones, it affects everything oh, at absolutely. a very deep deep level, and so what I'm trying to get at is. Do you have examples that we can share with listeners of, of how you visualize? Uh, well, there's there's this daydreaming part that yeah. I talked about that I'm just playing scenarios in my mind that make me feel good, that make me happy, mm-hmm. that it's basically me achieving my goals and, and being happy with whatever makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And there's, of course, the, the technical, let, me, let us call it this way, Visualization where I'm trying to feel what's going to happen in the race Mm -hmm. and how I want to feel in the race and what I want to execute in the race. Mm. Do do you visualize, say, driving to the pool, going to the call room? I did. I did a while back. Uh, It's uh, it has become a little more natural for me now. Mm -hmm. I don't really anticipate anything in that yeah. regard i yeah. just go there and i walk to the pool and i try to get used to the whole uh environment mm-hmm. before like I, you won't see me getting at the pool just a couple of days before or just the night before the race I, i've been there for a good few days mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i got used to the environment and all that mm-hmm. but yeah i've done that before this is where i start to really think about it's such a short moment in time you know, 21 seconds, 20.90 seconds. Oh, no, not quite there yet. <laughs> but no, in terms of the, the visualizing, it's such a short space. And it has me curious as to what's actually going on in the pool when you're in, in the actual race. Are you aware of where you are in yeah. the race? You can actually tell. Yeah. But it's not logical. Does that make sense? It's not, I'm not thinking objectively. Yeah where I am, I just feel where I am. I feel who's on my side and if they're ahead, if they're behind, I just, I just feel the race, you know? It's not like, oh, I'm right now I'm at the 30, at the 35, at the 37 meter mark. I just, I just have a really good notion or on where I am. And you, and you don't take a breath, right? For the 50 no, meter? No, best races, no. Yeah, so in the final, you commit to diving in not taking a breath. And yeah, but the, the not breathing thing, it's... Uh, yeah, like how much does a breath cost a, you? No, is it's it? not a big deal. Yeah. it's not. I mean, of course, you're not going to breathe because that's going to cost you time. It does cost a bit of time. But it's yeah. not that hard to make a 53 without a breath. I mean, I'm talking about Olympic level. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. not that hard to make a, a 53 style without a breath. <laughs> because it's more mental than physical. Yeah. I mean, yeah. can you hold your breath for 20 seconds? Well, yeah, of course. Everybody can. But I'm not spitting my arms around it and but ripping through the water as well. No, but it's, yeah. uh, it's more psychological than any other thing because, of course, you're going to feel the lack of oxygen at some point. Yeah. But you got to get used to it. And the repetition of race after race after race hmm. makes you get used to it and get used to the idea that relax you're gonna breathe in like three seconds <laughs> just uh, chill yeah you know? i i just find that the whole event quite extraordinary because it's like you have this almost you would know actually this is a question i want to ask if you swim have you found yourself swimming easily 
say in the semi-finals, say a 21-5, and then in the final you do the same time, but it felt hard. Do you have those differences? Sometimes? Yes, yes, yes. Let me start by saying that the best races, my best times, they felt effortless. Yeah, yeah. From from the get-go until the time I put my hand in the wall, they felt effortless. Mm -hmm. And I, after I went out the pool, chat with everybody, and I was breathing just fine. And the hard races, they're the ones who really feel heavy. Mm. You know, but in Tokyo that happened because in Tokyo we had the afternoon finals. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm sorry, the afternoon prelims and the morning finals, right? Oh, wow. So the next morning. Yes. Yes. Because because of TV time. Oh, yeah. Right. Because right. NBC pays for the whole thing. My point is in saying that it's not just 22 seconds of work. It's like getting there, refueling, oh, sleep, no. everything, yeah. right? Listen to that. Listen yeah. to that. Well, I swam prelims around uh, 7 or 8 p.m. Wow. And I, have a, I had a really easy swim, like super extremely easy swim in 21.6. Wow. And then... I was done, let's say I was done by 8.30. I had taken my dinner to the pool and I ate out of a Tupperware, yeah. you know, and I had my dinner on the massage table while our, the Team Brazil physiotherapist, shout out Nathan, big guy, he was just loosening my legs and I was having dinner and Michelle got everything ready. She packed my stuff and she gave me the backpack, said, go, go home. I went to the village. By the time I got to the village, I didn't have to go to the dining hall because, you know, the dining hall, it takes like yeah, a whole yeah. 90 minutes to get through the, yeah. the entire experience. I just went straight to my room. I had a shower, like a cold shower, relax, and went to bed. By the time I went to bed, it was around 11. Wow. And you still have a little bit of adrenaline and you yeah. have to control your nerves because you're swimming semis. Yeah, did you and have any caffeine in your system or anything? No, like not the time because no. I, I, I mean, it's something you anticipate. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Say, you, I'm not going to take any caffeine yeah. at eight. You, well, eight you're confident dinner. enough that you're going to yeah. make the oh, finals. absolutely, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. just, I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something I say, if you have trouble going through prelims, you're, yeah. you're screwed. You've got bigger issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've yeah. got bigger issues. <laughs> and, but next morning, semis. Yeah. And people don't mess around the semis. Yeah. Semis is when people really go, you know, because once you're in the final, it's like you're in the final, man, whatever. Just yeah, yeah. freak it, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, The next morning I had semis, but, and you have to control the nerves, you meditate a little bit, you take a deep breath, and you're not sleeping until midnight. Yeah. So, okay, let's say midnight I was sleeping. I had to wake up 5.30 in the morning to be ready. It's not a time big, it's not a it's good, not, it's, it's not, not a, a lot of it's resting. Not, it's not a time of going, I'm going to get a good night's sleep. Yeah, you kind of know you, that. Yeah. Exactly. Had You're, you prepared for that on that? Uh, had you done that kind sorta, of training? Sort of, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. That's why it makes athletes like Caleb so special. Yeah, because he had to do it how many times? He had to do it for an entire week. Yeah. This guy's just a dynamo. Yeah. You Unbelievable. know? Yeah. And um I mean he done it. It's like if he, he if he's probably he did still it, sleeping if, now. Yeah, but it's like if he did it, other people can do yeah, it absolutely. as well. But absolutely. just the fact that he did it is just like, dude, I mean yeah, yeah. hats off to you yeah, because yeah. you're really something, yeah, you know. Yeah. And like the next morning you wake up at five thirty and you're like, Okay, I'm not arrested, but let's go swim semis. And yeah. then when you take the caffeine and all yeah. and I was like, Okay, this Olympic record's going down right now. It's twenty one three. It was by that time. And then I jumped in the pool, wrestled my way through the entire 50. I had Flohan and I do by my side. I was like, dude, it's me, Flohan, and this race, it cannot go wrong. Mm -hmm. And we just push it. We went for it. 21-6 again. 
Exact same time. And the night before, <laughs> I had two breaths. Wow. I had two breaths the night before. Well, what does a breath cost you? If you, if would you, do you guys uh, it, know it's that? It's hard to say. It's hard yeah, to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hard to say. But you, I mean, I, I'm not going a PB. I'm not going a personal best if yeah, I take yeah, a breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you were yeah, spinning the wheels. So. We're going. We're going for it. <laughs> ah, let's go. And then twenty one six again. We look at each other and say, "Well, hope, <laughs> hope we're in." I hope we make it. Oh, is that right? Because it's all done on time. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah. everybody ended up, I mean, that affected everybody. Yeah, and everybody yeah. ended up swimming a little slower yeah, or yeah. about the same time. Yeah. And that the afternoon, we were able to rest and relax and all that. But swimming the morning is so much And so when was the final then? It was the next day. The next morning. Oh, it was the morning final again? Yeah, it was the next morning. Do you prefer, would you prefer evening? Oh, no, I think when have you finals, found- finals need to be in the evening. Yeah, yeah. You, you feel yeah. better. I. Yeah. But... It's that it's that thing. If finals are in the morning, finals are in the morning. Of you course. do what you have to do. Of course. But you've have you found when you look at your, you know, hundred or so un, sub twenty two, have you found that you swum most of them in the evenings? Yes, there, most of them in the evenings. Yeah, 100%. so your body's well and truly warmed up. Yeah. And it's because in I mean, in the evening it's just uh, circadian, yeah, you know, cycle. It's just yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you feel better, you perform better. Yeah. In the end of the day, it was so funny. But you mentioned Caleb Dressel and that week he had and. Uh, watching your celebrations which went viral on youtube you know and how much you enjoyed that with michelle and everything and uh and, and you were wanting you guys were wanting to take it in and uh, and caleb just wanted to get to the change room but he didn't want to be rude yeah he's that kind yeah, of a guy I mean, shout, shout out yeah shout out caleb dresser for understanding yeah. thanks he dude. was very good he kept hanging yeah, in thanks, there man. and I then as soon that. as he knew he could run he he basically yeah, took he, off and <laughs> caleb's an amazing guy i mean he, he comes from a great family background yeah. and uh, he's he's very kind very polite and he's a great person to be around and well, i think there's so much more coming from him he's he literally have a shot of being the best in history over mm-hmm. over even michael phelps you mm-hmm. know and i'm definitely uh, I, I, I hope I can have an upset on the fifty-three sometime soon, but I'm I'm really I'm really rooting for him. Well, I think I think what I've seen from you guys, and um, you know, I've got to know Caleb actually a little bit through any question, answering questions, and even getting to text him every now and then. You know, and a bit with you know, I'm a bit awestruck by you guys. I'm not going to lie, you know, and it's been sort of fun getting to know you on any question on the platform. But then what I do is I go back and watch all the races on YouTube so that, that I feel like there's even a deeper connection now that I yeah. that I have with all of you guys. And it is impressive just to not only watch you as athletes but watch you as human beings. And you all are carrying yourself incredibly well. And I, that's what I want to lead into now about the sport of swimming because – what I'm seeing are some of not only the greatest athletes on the planet and these gladiator warriors that I see, you know, taking on each other in the pool, but I see some of the best people, the most inspirational, authentic and vulnerable people. And, and I think that's really impressive. And I'm, I'm curious as to what you think swimming needs to do to step from where it is to become mm. a more, how do I, more, just more professional in a big sport that... You guys are making bigger incomes. The sponsors are more attractive. What's it going to take for, for swimming to become that kind of a... This is such a complex situation. It is a complex it's, one. And it's yeah, more of a discussion it's, and we're here. We're just, we're just speaking in general terms here. And I'm sure, I'm sure people who need to think on the real solution, on a definitive solution are thinking about it. But in my point of view, where I'm come from... I see that we lacking, tremendously lacking uh, a better marketing mm. on our sport. Mm. 
if you look to other professional leagues, the starting from the point that the other professional leagues like NFL, NBA, and other leagues, the focal point, it's on the athlete. Mm. So the athlete is the center of their universe because I truly think people don't follow the sport. Mm. They don't want to see random people, let's say, playing basketball. They want to see LeBron. They want to see Michael Jordan. They want to see Kobe. Mm. They don't want to see random people playing soccer. They want to see Cristiano. It's the personalities Messi. doing incredible Exactly. Things. They yeah. don't want to see random people playing ball. They want to see Tom Brady mm -hmm. and Odell and the different personalities and the clash of personalities. But you guys have that personality. I but see we're not, you. But we're not marketed mm. as these personalities. All the marketing work, it's... I try, I mean, we try to do ourselves. Mm. It's up to you to go out there in social media and try to speak up your voice and show your image. I've got some ideas. Do you want to hear some of my ideas? Shoot it. <laughs> and these are kind of crazy ideas. How about removing lane lines and having 16 guys start in the water together in a 50-meter sprint? Oh, that's called open water swimming. I know, but put it in the pool. Oh, my God. I don't know. It takes away from the sport a little bit. I know, but... Just think about, you love boxing, don't you? I've heard you love boxing. Oh my God, that sounds like liability, man. Yeah, but spectators love <laughs> it. Spectators <laughs> we'll love have it. A hard time. We'll have a hard time hiring insurance. <laughs> and I'm not sure how we do the 100 meters and the flip turns, but okay, that brings me to my next point. Maybe if we had like the 100 meters where it's actually got to get out at the other end, touch something and dive back in. I'm just trying, yeah, I'm yeah, coming from that, marketing. I'm uh, coming from maybe, maybe. I'm still, I still think of myself as a purist. When it comes to the sport of swimming. I know, but we've got know? to think about how do one we thing, it. One thing that I, I didn't think like that a few years ago, and now I'm starting to shift my point of view a little bit, is that I think that bringing back those super suits, mm. those full body rubber suits would do swimming good. You know, because we'll get people talking about swimming again. Mm. You know, I remember how it was back in that time and everybody was so interested about learning about the suits. Remember Ian and, Thorpe, you know, he yes, was ankle to wrist. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, so yes. Good. And I think they'll do swimming a little good, ah, you know, keep things interesting. Yeah. But that's, as I said, that's a complex spot. But I, what I think we can do right now, it's advertise the athletes a little better and, and build personas. No, I agree with of that. Of the athletes. You I know, because I mean, people want to see Caleb racing. People want to see Ladaki racing or Kyle Chalmers. Well, know, in Australia, in Australia, we, our swimmers are on the sides of buildings and billboards. I mean, Michael Klim, Ian Thorpe, yeah. I mean, Kyle Chalmers, these guys are, and, and our women, oh my and goodness, started, I've just forgotten. That started somewhere, right? Women. Yeah. And I, I think it's because swimming as a cultural sport in Australia is that's what you do. Every kid swims, whether you're because we all live on on the coast, and like in Brazil, mm -hmm. soccer is your sport or football, I should call yeah. it. That is the country sport by far, right? True. I mean, it is the. I think swimming for us is right up there. It's like so, when you become an Ian Thorpe, Michael, and I'm I'm blanking on all the um, amazing Michael Clem women, yeah, Michael Clem. I'm sorry, and all the women. I'm excuse me for. You know, Emma McKeon, Emma Ariana, McKeon, but Ariana, even I'm, I'm going Campbell. back to the uh, 90s and 2000s. Susie O'Neill, that was the name that was stuck in my mind. These people have just become icons in Australia. Yes. You know, Grant yes. Hackett, these guys, massive celebrities. And I think it can be done globally. But I think, it, like you said, there is a huge marketing. I'm, I'm curious as to what you, in your controllable environment, what you think you could do 
in your area to be more professional? Because I've, I've heard Brett Hawke say you're the most professional swimmer he's ever worked with, right? Oh, well, thank you. Well, <laughs> it's, I try, I try. it's a quote I heard, and it's. Uh, but it's like, how can you do more on your own? Or, or is there anything yeah, this, you can do? These are two different subjects. About being a professional, I think it's just about doing whatever you want to do and taking it seriously. Mm. Don't waste people's times. You know, don't waste your coach's time. Yeah. Don't waste your manager's time. Don't waste your Olympic Committee and Swim Federation time. Just be serious. Do what you're going to do with intent. Exactly. Intent is the word be that we Be serious about loved. it. Yeah. Don't mess around. I like that. Yeah. And what I do in my end, I just... I don't know, man. I, I I try to do it so so naturally, but I try to keep it interesting. Mm. As I said prior, I try to give something back to people that one they're looking for and to what I think they can use. Mm. I don't think people talking about me in third person for as weird as it might sound, but I don't think people want to watch Bruno swimming because they like Bruno. They never met me. So they want to see me swim and they root for me and they follow my story because all of that make them feel some kind of way. Mm. Maybe give them hope, maybe give them inspiration, you know, maybe, I don't know, they feel something mm. when they look at me, when they see me racing, when they rooting for me, when they follow my story, when they see a picture, I post a video, I post or something. So I try to, I try to give them that without being artificial mm -hmm. because I think it's as soon as you start building something artificial out of your image, that's when you lose, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You, you want to be honest with people. So I just try to say, Hey, I'm Bruno. This is me. If you like it, good. <laughs> if you don't like it, go for a walk. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just try it. Of course I have my personal moments, my alone time, but I try not to hide myself too much and I'm just, yeah, I'm just here. I'm just, I'm, I'm just allowing, I'm yeah, just I'm just Bruno, allowing everybody. the world to see me. I'm just allowing the world to see me. I think you know? that's a fantastic way of putting yeah, it. And coming back a little bit, I think you, you are right. If you, if we could reinvent the swim competition in some kind of way, that would be, that would be good. I, yeah, look, I don't keep, listen keep to the me too much. Lines, though. Yeah, keep the lane lines though. How's your sponsorship going without getting too personal? Have you, you doing, have you got good support? Oh, I have. I have some of the most amazing partners and yeah. sponsors yeah. in the game. Uh, currently, I have um, Arena. It's yeah. been with me for a while. Huge. I consider them to be part of my family this far. Mm -hmm. It's been a dream of mine being sponsored by by my favorite swim brand since I was a, a young athlete. That's cool. Now Foods provides me with all the the health products and supplements mm -hmm. and nutrition products I need. Also, there's Alliance Insurance. It's a bit more of a corporate uh, sponsorship that uh, we start a relationship before the games. And they're the global sponsor of the Olympic and Paralympic mm -hmm. movement. We do, we do get funding from Brazilian government and the Olympic Committee. So it's, uh, it's uh, in that regard, we've been well taken care of. Are you doing any any public speaking? Because I think your story and the way you speak is phenomenal. Do you speak for corporations? Or? I am. I I do make myself available mm -hmm. for that, but it's not something that I advertise and sell so much because it can take away. I, from, yeah, yeah. It, it takes away. You know, I love doing clinics. Yeah, but it takes a lot of energy. Be dealing with kids. I mean, you have two of your own, right? <laughs> and um, it takes a lot of energy when you deal with. Um, 
with kids for an entire weekend. It's something I'm gonna do after I'm done with competing, but right now I just have to stay focused on uh, on my craft. Yeah, it always depends on the opportunity. You know, if it's something that I feel is really worth it, both financially and as far as what I'm going to say, mm-hmm. it's going to be used and it's going to change people's lives or perspectives. I think it's really worth it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll find a way to do it. I, it's I, not just doing for no, just no, for no. doing it. Well, I think anybody listening to this, if you want to have a great speaker, I think you'd be phenomenal. Um, I think for anybody that's out there in the corporate world that that want to sponsor one of the best men I think I've met in a long time, I think they should be checking oh, you wow. out. Um, I think you, you you're the full the full package. You're trying you're um, trying to gain my heart, man. No, I'm not trying to gain your heart. <laughs> I, I I wish I had the the financial backing to support your journey because what I want to ask you now, I only got a couple of questions here left, so I'll let you go because I. Oh, thanks, man. You're uh, too kind. Uh, um, is, you know, what do you have next? What is the future? Um, what is the future? Up? Two does, years to Paris, mate. Does anyone know? <laughs> <laughs> what is the future, eh? As far as season, we're having a little 2020 deja vu right now because their swim meet's being canceled. Uh, I was going to go to a pro swim series here in, in Tennessee. It was canceled. Then another one in Iowa. It was canceled as well. So right now it's a little insecure. You know, it's a little, uh, mm. uh, we're not sure what's uh, what's about to happen. But also we're going to have world championships in Japan this May, which was postponed for the second time. But now it was postponed in over a year. It's not going to happen until J- June 23. Oh. Oh, wow. So we're still trying to figure out, as we talked here before I started recording, Brett, my coach, he's going to be coming here. He's arriving here tomorrow. So mm. we're going to have the opportunity to sit down and really, mm. and really draw a plan. But um, it's, it's hard to be sure about anything nowadays, right? How is that? I mean, I felt for all of you all in 2020, when you're trying to train but not train because you don't know what you're really training for. It's, it's- it is tough because as an athlete, since a very young age, you learn how to live by seasons, mm. right? When you become an Olympian, your life have happens every four years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when you lose track of a goal, of a countdown like that, it's almost like you're, the floor below you just disappears yeah. and you're just floating in space without a purpose. Mm. So it's it's been meant very mentally challenging and not to talk about the obvious part of it, which is it, it's hard to plan to periodicize a training block, mm. not knowing when you when you're supposed to peak. Right. Yeah. I, I, I feel for you guys and, and, and I know there's a lot of people dealing with even, you know, bigger things in their lives yeah, than absolutely. everything else. I mean, but but I do a, feel for That's a for, great that's a great problem to have if you ask me. But uh, yeah, it's but, just yeah. I mean, it is what it is, it, right? It is gotta what be, it is. Got to be a grown man and deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, I I have I had so many more other other questions for you here, but I, I feel like I've I've taken so much of your time and and we actually did cover more in other areas than oh, I thought if you, we if would, you wanna so. go if you want to go for three four more and then we head back for a coffee I mean all right well I, I will I will ask I you. do I do have to cook dinner for for my lovely well, wife one, tonight one because, two more. because Saturday night it's our we have two nights of dating yeah in yeah, the week yeah uh one of them is usually Wednesday or Thursday night yes. there we go out yes 
And Saturday night is the day it's the night I usually cook something. I love cooking. My mom, she's a chef. I learned with her a lot when I was a kid. I was helping her in the kitchen a lot, and I developed this passion for for cooking. Cool. Your mom's a chef. My what, mom's what kind a chef? chef. What kind my of mom, chef? My mom started as a as a chef, like for everything, yeah. and then later on, she specialized in pastry. Not not pastries. Uh, baking. Baking chef. Well, we'll have to, we, you know, uh, any question we're growing and, and we're going to have business and cooking and all these other verticals coming in these she's, channels. So she's we, there. Well, I might have to grab your mom and get yeah. her on. That'd be great. Oh, man, so it's such a problem when I go spend time with my parents. Yeah. Literally, can you imagine the situation? <laughs> there are two fridges, two full-size fridges, fridges yeah, in, my, in my parents' kitchen. Yeah. One, it's for the household food. And the second one... Is for all the ingredients, all the fillings, all the covers, all the everything cake. So you have literally a full fridge. And you come home tired from training and it's just You like, have literally a uh-huh. full-size fridge filled with cakes <laughs> in my mom's home. So it's like, it's... Um, I love them, but it's not the best that, for me. It's not the best for me to spend a lot of time no, there. That, that 9% body fat suddenly oh, thrown it go, out it the It goes door. away real quick. <laughs> I love it, mate. Well, okay, a couple of real quick questions, and these you can just sort of answer quickly. Who's the greatest of all time athlete in the world? Not not just swimmer. Who do you think is the greatest of all time athlete? I'm throwing it out there like a random one. Oh, my God. First one that comes to my mind, Michael Phelps. Okay. Michael Phelps. How many Olympic medals again? 30? It's, it's over 30, right? Oh, I don't know. We almost, yeah, but, I think everybody lost count. Remember that little dial they were counting yeah, and then they just scrapped remember it? Remember the, the picture he took after Tokyo with all of them? Oh my God. That was that was one of the most beautiful pictures I've ever seen yeah. sports later. But Michael Phelps, you know what? It's not only about the sports feat, the athletic feat. Mm. It's about the background that comes with swimming. If you talk about American football, basketball, soccer, there's so much money mm. behind that. Of course, it's not easy, but I feel like if I was paid thirty million a year, that will help a lot. Yeah, probably. Yeah. probably you'd be building a nice yeah, team around you. Have they'll, a decent they'll house. Play a lot yeah, yeah. when you're a swimmer. Yeah, it's or a wrestler or a boxer or whatever mm. any other sport. Mm. It's you and your coach. Yeah. Period. And he's done that for 20 years or whatever he's, he did. Because for me, so, it's, it's not yeah. even the medals, the longevity of it all. It's absolutely it's Michael, insane. Michael Phelps, period. Yeah, I like that answer. Okay, next next one. If you could sit with any three living people, who would it be and why? Sit and have dinner or have a coffee. Who would you want? Me, you, and probably Michelle because I love her a lot because the only thing that matters is like, right here right now i don't want to be fantasizing about people i don't even know <laughs> i love it good man well i feel very privileged thank you very much you're, you're somebody that appreciates being present and that that's something i do i had cool. to learn it the hard way yeah. i had to learn it the hard way mm-hmm. I, I wasn't like that and that led me to a lot of anxiety a lot of depression and uh yeah i learned it for the good I love every time you mention your wife's name and, and you put her up on a pedestal. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful to hear. I, I just love that. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, final question, and it's a whopper. What advice could you give to listeners on, on how to optimize their own lives? Despise mediocrity. Despise mediocrity. I like Wake that. up. Now, let's refer because, you know, the brain, it doesn't understand negatives. 
So you cannot tell them not to do something. So let's just put it in a way that people can understand. Just wake up every day to be great, to be phenomenal in whatever. Be a great father, be a great husband, be a great son, be a great student, be a great... Whatever you do, be great. Don't settle for mediocrity because... It's just not worth it, man. I mean, whatever you believe, you're not sure if you're going to leave again. You're not sure if you're going somewhere after here. For all you know. So let's just be safe and be great right now. Instead of hoping for an afterlife or or another life. Right? I, I, that's phenomenal, mate. It's funny, you know, I, I quite often, I don't do it every day, but I often just say, today's going to be a great day. Yeah. Just wake and I say it out loud and I, and I do it. And I know that sounds strange. Or I do it to the kids too or whatever. But it's like get it out there into the world that today's going to be a great day. And I used to have this whole thing. Today's going to be a great day. I'm going to meet phenomenal people. I'm going to have great opportunities. I'm going to and put it out in the universe and then see what comes of it. And it is amazing because I think, you know, you touched on depression and we didn't dive into that in this, this, this episode, but I think it's something I need to almost have you back on so we can dive into it. <laughs> but it, it's, it's something we all touch on if we haven't gone down that spiral we, we, you know it's always there that if we don't grab it and grab it early if we don't take the the conviction of saying this is going to be a great day or make this a great day it's a, it, very easy to get on that downward spiral and all of a sudden it is like, and oh. success is a mindset also when you when you set yourself up to be successful hmm. and it all starts mentally it all starts with you giving yourself the chance of being successful, you not being in your own way. You're already starting right. You have a you have a head start. I love that, mate. I think that's the perfect place to to end this because right. I think that was just absolutely phenomenal, mate. Awesome. So thank you for coming on. That was oh, I appreciate and driving you, all the way up, and I'm taking time away from your date night. But I really appreciate no, it. It's, mate. Okay, so thank man. You. it's my absolute pleasure, and uh, I just I just enjoyed the opportunity of coming here and, and meet you personally because, as I said, it's it's very worth it when you when you can connect to a fellow Olympian, to someone who really knows what you're talking about and has. And has gone through stuff just like you gone through. Mm. And we don't have, you know, we don't have as many opportunities as we we wish mm -hmm. like that, you know. So every opportunity I have, I, I just grab it. For everybody listening, you can go find uh, Bruno at anyquestion. He's anyquestion.com forward slash Bruno Fratus. So that's anyquestion.com forward slash Bruno Fratus. And you can use that link, subscribe, go check out the app. I'm sure you're going to love it. These guys are are giving so, so much. The amount of knowledge oh, it's amazing. there's in this app, it, it's mind-blowing. I was going through people I never heard before, people outside swimming. Yeah. The amount of insight and knowledge and like valuable information, because it's not like other platforms where people are just trying to like yeah. sharing whatever, mm -hmm. you know. People are sharing really insightful information, really valuable information so it's almost like encyclopedia of anything it, it, it's the world's greatest experts whether they're athletes coaches physiologists nutritionalists doctors sharing valuable knowledge that it, it, it you can go to google if you want to type something in and get it get an answer back yeah but, if but it's you not wanna, personal if, it's not personal and if you want to have uh, trusted experience-based knowledge and people that are well versed in that topic it's such, uh, that's why I've been in love with this platform from the very beginning because I just think it's like, it's a necessary 
tool for people that want to learn and grow to be able to learn from the very, very best. I mean, that's why I started this podcast. I want to learn from the greats. Yeah. Like I can sit here for an hour and a half and learn from the greatest in the world all about... It's been an hour and a half? Seriously? I think we have, mate. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. We can wrap it on, can't we? We can, we can, do, that. We can do that more often. Really enjoyed it. Well, you're I'll welcome. Bring, I'll bring us some beer next well, time. next time we'll bring... Yeah. off season. I, oh, I did have some non-alcoholic beer in the fridge. Off I forgot season. to offer it. Yeah. yeah, beers in off a little, season. A little steak. Well, next time we'll bring Michelle up and we'll have Laura as a co-host. We'll have our wives here. Absolutely. How about that? Yeah, that'll be... Let's wrap it up. For everybody listening, you can find all the show notes, timestamps and coupon codes at bennettendurance.com for slash media thanks again bruno fantastic mate thank you thanks a lot for listening if you enjoyed the show your support would truly be appreciated you can visit the patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice don't miss the next episode so subscribe and be notified for show notes if you want to know more please visit bennettendurance.com I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.